This month's three by three about. I think it's what is what is the three by three called? Say it. Heights. About ladders. Okay, so the three by three about ladders. I thought there was more to it than that, but uh, no, I it's just scenes with ladders or ladders in movies. I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward. Minor minor usually pretty straightforward. Okay, I forgot. I forgot it was. <laughs> I didn't remember if you said it was scenes with ladders or specifically the ladders, but. We'll get to that in a little bit. First, my name is Tom Chick, and you just heard from Christian Mukowski. Uh, I thought it was Ostrich. And chortling in the background, that was Kelly Wand. Film stock is just a ladder with sprocket holes and celluloid <laughs> between the rungs, brah. <laughs> That's a new line. See? Well, Kelly Wand, before we get into ladders, I have a question for you. Oh. Ready? What's yeah. the movie you saw this week? Uh, it was actually last week, uh, it's my impression of Greg from Succession answering your question. Uh, but it was a Spanish movie called The Bar, uh, which was like a horror movie, kind of. Like the thing you take to be legally, to, to practice law in a state? No, a tavern. <laughs> oh, there's, <laughs> okay. And they, and they couldn't come up with a better translation from the Spanish title, like not the tavern or the inn or yeah, and the, the bars don't really pivot. Like they, it's a bunch of characters in a bar for the first third, and then the rest of it's in another environment. So it's not even really about a bar. But I watched it because the the main Spanish actress was really hot, and her name was uh, Blanca Suarez. You made that and name then, up. That's not a real name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Blanca God, Suarez. So oh. And I go, I hope she doesn't get killed off too soon. And I'm like, all right, that's acceptable. The problem is in Spain, they go from bar to bar because they do tapas crawls and all that. That's true. But it's a morning. It's like a weekday morning. And then. um, Well, what? So it is is it a director we would know? Is it a genre we would appreciate? What's the tone? Should Dingus uh, and I see it? Yeah, it's got a really good opening credits and theme song. <laughs> it's got like jazz, but there's <laughs> microbes and bacteria at the same time. And then um, there's like one of those Altman openings where it's a bunch of different characters and the camera's moving around the street and they're all speaking Spanish. And one of them's that girl. And then they all go to the bar. <laughs> well, you, you said jazz and they're all speaking Spanish and Tom is like, let me let me get this movie right now. Well, there's a lady in it that's hot. And then um, and then uh, one of them leaves the bar and gets shot by a sniper and all the streets get dis- – like everyone disappears supernaturally fast from the streets outside and they can't get out. And you're like, wait, is it a supernatural? Because then the body disappears and the blood, which is never explained. And then they're all like in the bar and they're like, wait, this is all happening because of you. And they all turn on each other like in the divide. It's one of those kind of movies. So the, the director – I actually know who this guy is. His name is uh, oh. Al- Alex de la Iglesia. And uh, he's known for a movie called Witching and Bitching, which oh. is uh, about witches. Uh, but where I gave up on him, uh, he did a movie. It, do you, Kelly Wan, do you know that Rob Zombie? Uh, isn't there like a what's the Rob Zombie thing with the black and white scenes and the clown? Do you know what I'm talking about? Not House of a Thousand Corpses. No, it's a more recent one. I think it's really terrible. I think it's like a remake of like. 
some classic. At any rate, uh, he did. Uh, so this De La Iglesia guy did a movie called The Last Circus, which has a, a really freaky killer clown in it and some political subtext, but it just goes completely off the rails, and I lost all patience with it. Uh, so if if the bar is anything like his earlier movies, I'm he's, it he's jumps basically the shark. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's going to jump the shark, and it's going to be like manic comedic horror. It's like a Joe Hill novel. Mm, don't do that to Joe Hill. <laughs> like good idea, and then by the end you want to kill him. Right. So uh, it's called the bar in English because the Spanish name is El Bar. I see here. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Uh, all right, so uh, – and Kelly wants to – wait, so neither of us should see it, me, me or Dingus. No, you should. Right. And tell me if that girl's good or okay. I'm just crazy. All right. But I don't know. It's like the effects are good too, and it's a bunch of Spanish uh, characters like arguing with each other. So it's like the divide was kind of boring, but the fact that they were all Spanish made it kind of a little more exciting. Right. Because like the two old women hate each other. Like one's a bartender. And the other one is like, uh, she plays the uh, slot machine <laughs> in the bar. Wow. And there's a crazy bum who's like, he's really unkempt and he keeps sniffing the girl. And uh, he's like the guy that they should just put down quickly. And then one guy has a gun and it might be a mobster. And there's like, a, they think it's a bomb. There's a lot of misunderstandings. Three's company. Um you should see it, Dingus shouldn't, and then you should fall asleep like about two thirds through it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I do know, I do know who this guy is, so I know El Bar. El Bar. I know what kind of movie it is, and I'm, yeah, I'm confident it's not for Dingus, and probably not for me, but uh, I would probably end up seeing it anyway. All but right. The things that make it good are like, you know, how Luc Besson movies, like the part where uh, Lilu looks looks up war in the Wikipedia, right? And that's almost what makes the movie kind of more interesting because it's french or something like it's too broad for america almost even mm, okay you should see see last circus though because I, I think that ways i thought you said it sucked well if you if you liked if you liked the bar like if you speak approvingly of the bar even though you feel it jumped the shark uh, i do think he he shows he shows a lot of craft in last circus even though i don't think i don't like it it jumped the shark uh it had some really cool stuff in it and for a while uh, it, it was a movie that I was watching, thinking I should do a three by three about like scariest clowns, and this would be at the yeah. top of it. Uh, so Last Circus has some value in that regard. To um, push back against it, go. Yeah, you guys don't know what's scary. Clowns. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very good, Kelly Wand. Was so, it a three by three? I don't know, Dingus. Have we done a three by three on our favorite clowns? No. All right. Nobody has a favorite clown. Mm, Dingus, I know yours would be Pennywise. Come on, don't pretend. His would be shakes, and mine would be shakes. Yep. <laughs> what would mine be, Kelly Wand? Death to Smoochie and Poltergeist. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Dingus, what's a movie you saw this week? I think you should go first, actually. Uh, I watched a movie that – I don't know. Should I tell you about the one I hated or the one I liked? I watched two John Hamm movies, and I am now convinced that John Hamm is not capable of all things – uh, hmm. he, he, <laughs> wow. he, he attempted Bold a words. Uh, I watched, I watched tag and did not laugh once. Oh. I thought Oof. tag was in fricking sufferable. And mm. I was, I felt bad for everyone involved because to a person, 
I like the people in tag. Maybe not Ed Helms, uh, but but uh, John Hamm, uh, Jake Johnson. I can even tolerate. I love Isla Fisher. They have uh, Rashida oh. Jones in it. Uh, uh, Leslie oh. Leslie Bibb is super funny. Uh, oh. I I, don't, I haven't seen a lot of Hannibal Burris, but what I've seen of him, I really like. Yeah. But nobody in this movie, and Jeremy Renner, of course, he famously like oh. broke his broke his arm filming this House movie. But nobody in this movie came out looking good. I just felt awful for everyone involved. So instead of talking about Tag, because it's the other John Hamm movie I saw, and Dingus, you might not know this, John Hamm is in, and it just became available on streaming uh, like a couple weeks ago, is in a Brad Anderson movie, and Brad Anderson has done some hit or miss. We mainly know him from Session 9. Uh, his his latest movie is called Beirut, and it's a Tony Gilroy script. Oh, and, and it's a very very Tony Gilroy script. Oh. Uh, and John Hamm is the lead, and it's set in Beirut in I think it's very specific to eighty three, uh, before the Marines were killed in the barracks, um, and it, it's a political thriller. And John Hamm is in it, and I didn't used to like Rosamund Pike until I've seen her in a couple of movies lately, and one of them was uh, Beirut. Uh, it looks great. Uh, I like the plot in it, and John Hamm is just fantastic in it. Um, so cool. if you're a John Hamm fan, I have some good news and bad news. The bad news is tagged. The good news is Beirut. There you go. The actor's never the selling point unless it's like someone who – I like. <laughs> um, Let me start all over. That was okay. a terrible idea. Kelly Wan, let's try that again. Take two. If it's like some lady actress, oh yeah, I gotta follow all of her work or something like that. Like I won't see a movie just because some someone's in it. Uh, all right. Well, be. I don't. I think Dingus and I wouldn't go along with you there. We see plenty. Subject of matter. Just... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Maybe I just I have a smaller uh, window into the show business world you just like have if very... it's a writer i knew but i never know who wrote it till after i've seen it and i go and then you tell me who. who oh yeah it's that guy you like oh, yeah, right okay. right yeah. kelly one pay attention to the credits well but then it's more fun it's a surprise right it's like opening a present right. ignorance is bliss <laughs> dingus now it's your turn what's the movie you saw this week <laughs> I'd like to push right. back against knowledge. Uh, why I asked you to go first is that uh, uh, earlier this week uh, we were talking about uh, – uh, Tom and I were talking about different movies that um, uh, we were watching or that we wanted to watch. And I had said that I wanted to watch the movie Tag. And uh, <sighs> Tom said, don't bother. It's uh, But I don't know why you jokers haven't watched the movie Blockers yet. Finally. Uh, I watched it. Oh. So I uh, so I watch blockers. Uh, it's no tag, Dingus. I hope you understand that. Certainly, <laughs> according to what you've said, it is no tag. I actually really quite like blockers. Yeah, uh, blockers. Yeah, I support uh, you, Dingus. It's directed by well, you can support Tom because he's the one who. That's true. I wouldn't have seen it if he hadn't talked it up. Hounded us to watch it, uh, and rightfully so. It's uh, it's the directorial debut of this screenwriter named Kay Cannon, um, uh, who also produced the uh, the third uh, and the second Pitch Perfect, 
pitch perfect movies and worked on 30 rock which i didn't watch any of 30 rock so i don't know well she uh, wrote what her she and our, our friend uh tony knows her dingus uh she wrote uh the first pitch perfect like that was oh, her, her okay. big breakout thing she was a writer on 30 rock but when she came out and wrote pitch perfect that uh peyton reed directed and that just exploded uh she just that that let her write her own ticket for a lot of things and so it's it's really nice to finally see because the pitch perfects that ensued were terrible, so yeah. I was really happy to see what she got to work with in Blockers. Yeah, yeah. Even though she didn't write it, it was written by uh, two guys named Brian Kehoe and ja- Jim Kehoe, uh, who I think must be related because Kehoe's not a normal name. Um, but I I just really really liked it. I I, I mean I love the cast. But most of all, I really love uh, – who do you think I really love in this movie? All of them, but you probably have a soft spot for John Cena or however you say his name. Well, I love John Cena, but he's doing doing much of what he does. I mean he's doing some of the same stuff he does in Trainwreck, Um, some of that, you know, the, the boys bring the noise kind of stuff. Uh, I, I I like him. I think he's got good comic timing. But the the one I really love is the woman who plays the young woman who plays Kayla, who is this actress named Geraldine Viswanathan, uh, or I, I'm saying her name wrong. It's probably Viswanathan, uh, and I I haven't seen her in anything before, and she's uh, she's the one who when they <laughs> when when they're going to make the sex pact, she's the one who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Let's do this. I'm, I'm with Connor. And as soon as they said the name Connor, I, of course, they started laughing. Yeah. But I, I just thought that her comic timing and her, her sensibility in this was absolutely perfect. Her whole character, it's really unique. Her, her character is, is unique, and she's really, really good. And I love to see a, a young actor just come out and be – like I wasn't expecting this of, of I wasn't expecting to find this in this particular movie, and uh, I think that original comic creations and a great wrap up. Like I'm a I'm a redemption hater, but that's a good. It's like the parents are like they're realize they're the dumbass. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I love uh, all three of them, and Ike yeah. is is very funny and very weird and uh, alternately embarrassing and touching. Um, and... I appreciated too in the formula that it wasn't that they were all three buddies. Like I like right. it yeah. in the formula that two of them really don't like one of them, and yes. and they saw through yeah. they saw that through for a while. Uh, and I'm you know I'm okay with them moving past it. But that was a, a nice twist because in any other movie in Tag everybody likes everybody. They're all buddies. <laughs> Big yeah. deal. Like there's no sort of dramatic tension there. But that's a really cool idea to have two of the leads not like the other lead. Yeah. And he and he. And his whole take on it and, like, what's offensive to him and what's not is, was cool. Right. And that's a really well – that's really well put, actually. Uh, and he's also rather fearless in being a total jerk at some point – at some points, but dismissing it as, what? So I, I, I wanted to sleep with other women. What's the big deal? That's yeah. uh, you know they, that's 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 uh that's just as valid as being gay, <laughs> wanting to sleep with other women. Yeah, um, uh, I just I I found him to be 
fearless and and weirdly comically charming at the same time and i and what tom said about that weird mixture working out where the two of them were kind of like can we get rid of this guy i mean he's yeah kind of, let's he doesn't even off. want to block really <laughs> no no that's not he's why he's like going. let's let these kids do this thing because yeah. that's that's part of their life um mm. I mean, there are things that don't quite work about the movie, that, and that's fine. Uh, but no, it's got I really pacing good energy really quick. Very good it. energy, yeah. That's yeah. that's another thing with compared to Tag as well. Like, but Blockers definitely knows how to do pacing, whereas Tag is just... Like, yeah. Tag just sort of spurts and stops and halts and does things that aren't funny. And I, I, Yeah, Blockers is just very competent. It never paced. comes to a stop, yeah. Right, so right. Uh, Dingus, you called out the, the young Indian actress, but uh, do you know who the little – there's a little tiny Alicia Vikander lookalike in there. Do you know whose daughter she is? No. Uh, she's Her mother's a woman named Pamela Adlin. Who we know oh. from Louis. She's worked with Louis C.K. for a while, but uh, she, she's Pamela Adlin's uh, daughter. Oh, that's Gideon Adlin. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. And, and I, I loved all the kids in this, uh, which yeah. which I thought is another important thing is that yeah. the, the, the adult leads, of course, are great. We know who they are. These child actors, we, we don't know who they are, but they're right. really good too. And they have to do a lot of scenes without their parents around. And the fact that those scenes were also well written and that they were they felt really frank and honest, uh, I really appreciated in this. It's um, not predictable. Yeah, and I, I also really – this just means a lot to me when uh, – and especially when it's with a young girl, and I don't – I guess they're supposed to be 18, whatever. But uh, I really appreciate how the movie uh, normalizes the fact that some children are gay, that, that yeah, some children yeah. coming into their own sexuality will be gay. And, and the movie doesn't make a big deal about it. Nobody in the movie makes a big deal about it. And I just yeah. – I love seeing that normalized. I just think that's so important, and I really appreciated that that, that was part of Blockers. Well, the thing I found surprising was um, how – the Ike Barinholtz character was, you guys didn't know this? I mean, oh, well, I'm her dad, so of course I knew this. I mean, I like I like the way that he that he's given that reveal to the other parents. Yeah. Uh, because he's such a ding-dong in so many other ways. Speaking of ding-dong, how about that Gary Cole performance? Uh, was, I like that. That was so weird. Full frontal so, nudity. If you've been waiting was, for full frontal nudity it. of Gary it. Cole. It wasn't like his Veep character at all, so I like that. It showed some range. It was range. so weird. Literally range. You locked eyes. <laughs> yeah. It was good. All right, good. Finally, you guys saw it. I'm very glad to hear that because, uh, yeah. It, I like that it normalized that some kids are ready to have sex at that point if they're – with the right Kelly, person. I don't think that needs normalizing. I mean, I think yeah. we were, we were all that age at a certain yeah. point. We don't. <laughs> no, I know, but Leslie Mann realizes. Oh, and Leslie Mann makes everything so much better. She, yeah, she's who you know. I, I forgot who I've given the, uh, you know, Chloe Moritz Grace had her national treasure status revoked, and I forgot who I gave it to. But I think I'm gonna. She give never should have had it. I know, I know, I know. Sometimes. Damn fool. So Carrie, you you were on. on board with me while we while she when? had it. After Kick-Ass. Uh, Kick-Ass, maybe. Right. Yeah, kick yeah, for one movie, exactly. No, two, because before that, she did the zombie movie about the undead child miners. What's that? Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's about miners, you know, people who go underground, who are children who turn into zombies. And she's just... Get it? The, it's the tiniest little monkey. Uh, she's just a little tiny, like, 
monkey in it. She's so monkey adorable. Zombie and minor. She, she's in Kick-Ass. She's not a zombie. No, Kelly Wan. She talks to the zombies. She can communicate with them. Because, of course, precocious little children are sensitive to the supernatural world, as we've learned from movies. Just like Carrie when she was also. Right. Yeah. All right. Great. So uh, <laughs> finally, you guys have seen Blocker. So uh, yeah, and Leslie yeah. Mann, let's give, let's confer her uh, national treasure status, if if we may. So we're yeah, that. that's fine. I, I, I'm crazy with her about too. her. So. I think I think that she's just she nails it. Uh, even and she and she again like uh, I think all three of them, but uh, I would say that she's fearless as well. You know. And I love that. I love to see that in an actor, an actor who doesn't care if they look a little uh, weird or if they look ugly or if they do something that's untoward. There are a lot of actors who won't do that, and she's totally fearless. You know what she's so fearless she'll do is a whole bunch of Jurgens commercials, all of which are awesome, and you can sit down and watch them in sequence on YouTube. It only will take you about 30, 40 minutes. It's time well spent. Jesus Christ, Tom. She's, she's coming at you guns hot. Well, I'll take that over your Sarah Palin rants. <laughs> Sarah Palin hasn't done any Jer- Jergens commercials, but if she had, I'm sure would enjoy them. Jerkins. No, Kelly Wan, that's not it. what it's called. It's Jergens. Good use of your time. I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, about a three by three. Dingus, tell the listeners a little Jesus. bit about the three by three. I implied. Get more specific. What are we doing this week? <laughs> or right. month, I should say. Oh, What's a ladder, place. please? <laughs> What's a ladder, please? Uh, so a ladder is something that you climb up. It is not stairs. Stairs are not necessarily a ladder. What? What? Fuck off, Dingus. Come on. <laughs> Don't talk gibberish. <laughs> Too late. Uh, so these are your favorite ladders, ladder scenes in movies. So Uh-oh. I didn't know if we were supposed to do our favorite ladders, which I tried to do. So since we're doing ladder scenes, I might... No, you can do ladders. That's fine. Well, I don't have any favorite ladders. Ladders are dumb. That that was a hard thing for me to come up with. It's what ladders. You did it right. What ladders do I actually like? But I came up with some, so I'm going to go ahead and keep this one then. This. uh, So there's a. I'm going first in case you guys hadn't figured that out because I'll be introducing (laughs) next month's three by three. There is a uh, a really cool script. It's a time travel script that has some really nice twists. And you know, if you're like me or Kelly Wand, or maybe even like Dingus, you've seen all the time travel twists. You can tell when they're coming. There's nothing new to be done. But this movie actually does have a couple of new ideas, which I really enjoyed. Uh, And it could have had a kind of a dark edge. It sort of leans towards it. But the biggest problem with this movie, and I'll tell you the title in a minute, uh, is it is unfortunately blunted by a really, really cloying young adult sensibility. It's totally uh, like like it's it's written for a YA audience and uh, but the, which is really sad because there are some really neat potentially dark twists in it but it blunts them by being I guess kid friendly or whatever so it's a movie called Time Trap uh, and it opens wow. with its only famous cool. actor uh, they got Andrew Wilson the Wilson brother that we only ever saw in as a Mennonite chopping off his finger in Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, and he was in, wasn't he? I think he was Future Man in Bottle Rocket. Wasn't that Andrew Wilson? That was a Wilson, wasn't he? <laughs> He's the famous he was, one, just he was to also clarify. The, he was also the coach in uh, Rushmore. Oh, right, yeah, uh, right, yeah. When okay. when Max is going to make the aquarium, he's like, I don't know about this, Maxie. 
He's like, so, okay, yeah, so we're going to move your baseball diamond over there. So he's done his share of, of Wes Anderson things we've seen. Him, but this is this this is the only non-Wes Anderson thing I've seen him in, and he's not really in it. Uh, it opens with him, and he's the, the head of an archaeology department, and he's got his students under, under him that are like his, his faithful students who really like him as a teacher. And early on in the movie, he's like, hey, I'm going to go investigate this mysterious cave. And his students are like, okay, we'll come with you. And he's like, nope, I'm going to do it on my own. It's too dangerous. You guys stay here. And he goes to investigate the cave, and he goes missing. So his his students band together to find out what the deal is, and they discover the eponymous time trap. Uh, now, so amongst the twists in this movie, they go down in a in a there's a vertical hole, and uh, how how they realize how they realize that time is is really screwy is they're looking up the vertical hole and they're seeing the sun going by really fast. And they're uh. like, and they're like, what? And they eventually realize where they are. Time is really slow, and it's accelerating outside of this time trap, this cave. So crazy things happen, and there's cool reveals. And one of the reveals, at a certain point, they're looking up at the sky and the hole, and a big old pole, like a metal thing, just comes sliding down, right into the ground. It's like a pole uh. up into space, and then it sprouts a, a perpendicular m- miniature poles so rungs basically it's like a ladder but with only one vertical bit and then rungs on the side uh and Mm. come a a giant in a spacesuit comes climbing down this ladder (laughs) what Uh. and furthermore when he arrives he presses a button on it and the rungs fold up and the pole collapses into a short little rod that he can carry around with him so oh. I, I really like that and it's it's out of nowhere by the way like it's just something that randomly happens at a certain <laughs> point in the movie is a, a, a giant comes down on a on a space pole uh and that's <laughs> wait who is he like why i'm not gonna give it away i know right kelly one oh. suffice to say answers are in uh offer on offering in this movie they, they will be answered questions <laughs> that's okay so what Yep, that's the end of your anecdote about that. Movie. Well, you got to see it now, <laughs> dude. The ladder is incredible, and the guy on it not gonna say shit. He's, he just folds the, it up. He's the space version of Salt Heart Foam Follower. Wait, so we don't do spoilers in this phase of the podcast? Is that why? Uh, well, I just, you're gonna make me watch Time Trap to see who the giant is. Well, actually, the the reason to watch Time Trap, I mean, the the young adult stuff is is pretty grating, but uh, just why it's a cool script. Uh, and and I, I wouldn't want to script. You don't script want to ruin anyone. that. Right. Yeah, I mean it's worth watching and imagining. Yeah, I could tailor this into something darker, and it would be really cool, and it could have Dude, an edge that to giant. it. Giant. Uh, okay. But uh, just, no, you could appreciate a good script, Kelly Wand. You might not watch yeah. something for the actors, but I know you'll watch something for the writing. That's Remind me of how old this is. Time Trap this year just came out. Oh, this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's the, wow. the most. Never heard of it. Well, of course not. It's a. It's a. It's a uh, it had no marketing. I don't even know what state. It's just it's a straight, a, uh, straight okay. to streaming indie thing, and its only claim to fame, Andrew Wilson is in. Actually, you know, I wonder if some of the kids in it are famous from like, know, like Arrow or something on CW or something. That that might be an angle. I didn't recognize any of them, but. But yeah. the reason it's on this list is because the ladder. Yes. Holds up. Yes, it's a space ladder, and it comes from nowhere, and uh, it all makes sense, Kelly Wand. When that's the, the part the you like, over. Yeah. but it makes sense. Well, that's one of the cool things about the script is and the script. The script will have answers for you. It's and the just... ladder is part of the fun thing about the script. Like when I go, oh, that's the ladder that he had. 
it'll be explained. Yep. So You'll be like, oh, okay. that's what the deal is. That's how that works. That's where it came from. That's Good why work, he's Tom. there. I'll say then. <laughs> well, Kelly, what I would like you to say instead is what your third favorite ladder is in a movie. Okay, mine are dumb, I should point out, before I mock yours <laughs> too intensely. But, okay, you know how some of my uh, three-by-threes, they tell a little story about my life? <laughs> no, I don't really know that either. But this one kind of does. Okay, so my number three, um, <clears throat> this is from a 1975 film called The Apple Dumpling Gang. And <laughs> um, there's a scene in it where... Don Knotts and Tim Conway. I guess technically they're the Apple Dumpling Gang. And then the second one, it's just them and not Bill Bixby and not the kids. So, And it's called the Apple Dumpling Rides again. So I guess they really are the um, entire gang. But anyway, point of the story is, so they need to steal a ladder so they can break into the bank and, and rob it. And so they go to the fire station of this western town. And they keep, like, because they're dumbasses, they keep, like, taking the ladder and getting confused and giving the wrong hand signals. And they keep walking up past the snoring fire chief with the ladder back and forth. And I remember thinking, I was, like, seven when I saw it. And I was super worried that they were going to get caught and, like, stressed out. Like the Natalie Portman character in Heat. Like, fuck! They're going to trip over him! Shit! And I was totally paralyzed with fear. Like, oh my god, this is the most intense ladder scene I've ever, like, I was really, like, worried. And then they, like, get up, and then they, like, fall from the ladder. and uh, They survive an explosion by hiding in the bank vault, like Indiana Jones, in, like, the little safe. I don't know how they knew the blast was coming, but they got in there in time. And I guess they opened it. So they're geniuses. All right, Apple Dumpling Gang, uh, ladder. Uh, that's my bronze. Ladder I have a question. Scene. Why, why yes. are they called the Apple Dumpling Gang? I don't know because they don't eat those in the in the movie. All right. Um, Is that not answered in the movie, or you, maybe you just don't remember that part? I may not. My my pick for a movie answers the questions, like those relevant questions. Sounds like your movie doesn't answer those questions. See, Kelly, the ladder is a trap, and it's (laughs) trapping them in the hole because it drops down into it. While as your ladder has nothing to do with apples, fool. (laughs) That's Uh, what you're saying to me. When did you when did you first see the Apple Dumpling Gang? When I was seven in 1975. In a theater. Yeah, I remember seeing it in theater. I don't remember the first thing about it, unlike Kelly Wand, but I certainly remember that movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it until uh, later <laughs> in in um, I think sixth grade. It was like movie night at my sad little uh, not sad, just tiny little elementary school in Colorado. Uh, they were showing it on movie night in the um, in the gymnasium, up on that big screen with the terrible sound. Uh, and I just remember all of us just uh, unable to contain ourselves with the laughter that we were having. Here's oh. I don't remember a thing about it. Laughter. I just remember us laughing like crazy. I think in that. sixth grade you might have been a little too old for that, Dingus. That's well, another thing. There's a huge scene in that movie where um, the the female lead thinks that Bill Bixby's bought a bed for her to sleep with him in, even though she's bought he's bought it for the little kids. But I didn't get that joke at seven. So she like attacks him in a pool hall and keeps throwing shit at him and like destroys the bar. And then he's like, no, that one's for the little girl, you idiot. And then she's like, 
oh, well, what did you say so? And then she walks out, and it's like, everyone's like, ah, women, what are you going to do? And it's like, the whole place is destroyed. And Bill Bixby's like, lost an arm from the fight. Or and what did that so, teach you as a seven-year-old boy? I'm like, wait, so let make sure your wife knows that the bed you're buying is small. Like, I was really confused by right, it. Right. I didn't Where, get the joke. Whereas Dingus seen it as a 12-year-old, he totally understood. Well, howled with yeah. laughter in a gymnasium. Right. So right. Dingus yeah. fit in with the jock kids right. a little more <laughs> gracefully. Huh, Dingus. Do you remember see that scene when you were a kid, Dingus? Did it? No, uh, I don't remember anything about it other than the, than just laughing with a bunch of people on folding chairs set up in rows in the gymnasium for elementary school movie night. Well, that sounds fun. It was a lot of fun, but that's the only connect. I've never seen it since. I have no remembrance of any details from it. I just remember. The experience. That's Do you remember, remember a movie, a Disney 70s movie called Hops? <laughs> and no. it, was, it was a Western, but they had camels in it, and that was the comedy premise. No, my my experiences are related to the Apple Dumpling Gang and anything that relates to Witch Mountain. That's about oh, it. Oh, Witch Mountain. Well, Dingus, what experience do you have in terms of movies with ladders? All right, so uh, <laughs> here's, here's a quote from my number third uh, it is a uh, down ladder, down ladder, make a hole. So, <laughs> uh, th- this is, uh, uh, the captain, uh, so he captain Bart Mancuso, um, oh. on the, uh, red October. No, Seaman no, he's Beaumont, actually, captain he's actually Mancuso's on, on deck. <laughs> he's actually oh. on the U S Dallas. Um, uh, so, I I love the way ladders are used on submarines, and and in particular the way they're used on in the Hunt for Red October. Uh, there's there's two moments within the same sequence where Bart Mancuso has to use ladders in particular. One is to go up to the uh, the top of the boat to help um, Jack Ryan or to help his first in command get jack ryan who's coming down out of a helicopter he's being lowered down into a helicopter and uh and they have to be really careful because the they're not only because of the crosswinds because he's swinging back and forth but because the rotors of the helicopter are creating so much static electricity that they can't just grab his feet and pull him down to the boat because they'll be electrocuted uh so they have to use this this like this rod to grab the 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 uh, the cable that he's on, uh, so that they can ground themselves rather than just grabbing him because of the static electricity. But the crosswinds are so strong that it doesn't happen. Uh, it can't happen. He's just swinging too far back and forth, and the helicopter is running out of its reserve fuel. Um, and there's a timer on all of this, and the pilot of the helicopter who has objected to using his fuel reserves uh says i'm setting a timer and once we get to the end of the timer you're pulling uh jack ryan back up and we're getting out of here but but jack ryan played by alec baldwin of course uh knows that he has to get on the dallas in order to save the red october because he understands he gets what's going on with the red october he gets that that ramius marco ramius is trying to defect uh, and so when they try to pull him back up at the end of this ordeal, um, 
he clips the line and falls into the into the ocean and captain bart mancuso uh, which name i know tom loves um sends a diver out to get him and pull him back into the ship and so bart mancuso has to go down this ladder and then he has to go down all the way down into the lower decks of the ship to immediately get to this guy to make sure he survived and to figure out what the heck is going on. Why is this goofball doing this to us? Why has he done this? Uh, and there's this moment where it's it's down ladder, down ladder, uh, make make a hole. I just love that line. I love that line. Down ladder, down ladder, <laughs> make a hole. I love that so much. Uh, and so I did a little bit of uh, submarine research, and and so there are actual stairs on submarines, and uh, and the down ladder stair, the, the the down ladder line looks like stairs, but it's it's more vertical than than actual stairs uh in, mo- in most cases as it turns out to get between decks on a submarine uh you use ladders and when you are ascending or descending you normally call down ladder or up ladder uh to make sure that everything is clear and in this moment of exigency which is this he has to get down to the lower decks to find out if this guy, if the diver got this guy out and if the diver survived and if he survived, uh, he's doing this down ladder, down ladder. Uh, I, I just, I, I freaking love that moment in Hunt for Red October. So there you go. If I'd had to guess from the line, I would have thought it was like from a Harry Potter movie. Like that was a, what his wand would do to make a ladder. Like go down. Or a feisty really? dog named Ladder. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, or like a living a movie where you have to fight a ladder. The ladder comes alive and you have to fight it. Yeah. So you're you're telling a dog to make a hole. Down dogs ladder. can do that. Down dogs, ladder. Make yeah. a hole. dogs can totally do that, Dingus. Yeah, but you usually don't uh, direct dogs to make a hole. You might if you needed it to dig sure. something out. Like if someone is buried in an avalanche of snow, you get the Saint Bernard to dig it out, Dingus. You yeah. tell dogs not to dig holes, but right. But okay. to save lives, Dingus, why do you want to leave someone to die underneath an avalanche? They should I, hire dogs as grave diggers. They right? should just name all dogs yeah. ladder. Yeah. Because dogs, they want to bury bones anyway. So let's just pay them to do it. Kelly Wand, what is your second favorite ladder in a movie? Isn't aren't you next? Oh, nope. Ke- Kelly Wand, hold off a minute. Let me go first. All right. I know you're awfully eager to get – okay, my second favorite ladder in a movie. And this is, again, where I was still trying to think of – I actually liked the ladders. Uh, if you were to look at the Final Destination series, I think one of the, the best snippets of it is in Final Destination 2, you can lift out a five-minute sequence as a, a really wickedly funny uh, mini movie that plays with what the audience knows – about the rules of the Final Destination universe, where somebody's doomed to die, and we, the audience, are going to watch this elaborate Rube Goldberg device unfold that will kill this person. And it's that classic tension that Hitchcock talked about, where if you have a bomb underneath a table while two people are talking and they don't know about it, but the audience knows about it, like that's that's a good way to do suspense. Tom um, ladders also unfold. Uh, this one doesn't fold up, though. Do you know – you? I would have assumed when I said this, Kelly Wan, you would have gone like, oh, I was going to pick that, or that was my number one pick. I don't remember the ladder in FD2. Well, um, so the, the whole thing is there's a – there's a it, it's a big misdirection, and eventually the Final Destination movies will play with this more, but it was still kind of new and fresh in Final Destination 2, uh, where a kid has just won the lottery, 
And like literally, he's won the lottery and he's got all this money and he's bought all oh, this yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's bringing it to his apartment and he he sets a, spillet of, a skillet of grease on the stove and takes his shirt off because yeah. who doesn't who doesn't cook things in grease without a shirt on? And he puts oh, this is a great one. Now I yeah, remember. and then he puts a bunch of stuff in there and you're like, oh, that's what's gonna get him. And then he he's bought an expensive ring and it falls into the garbage disposal. Uh, oh, and before that, he puts some Chinese food in the microwave, and we yeah, see we see these letters that are on his name is Evan, and they're refrigerator magnet letters that spell out "Hey E," because you can go by E. And when he grabs a carton of Chinese food to put into the microwave from "Hey E," the letter H falls into the Chinese food, so the word "I" is spelled there E Y E. Uh, and this will become important at the end. So uh, he puts the microwave, he puts it in, turns the microwave on. We know there's a piece of metal in there. Uh, the skillet is on too high and it's starting to smoke. His hand is stuck in the garbage disposal. And just chaos ensues. The microwave yeah. blows up. The fire, he tries to put it out and it knocks the skillet over. The place erupts in flames. Uh, and at this point, like his friends are calling him on the phone trying to say their death is coming after you get out of there yeah uh and we're like oh that's how he's gonna die is he's gonna burn to death but the movie still it plays around with us and eventually he gets his hand loose and then the windows close he has to break through the window and just as he gets below a level on the fire escape as he's getting down the whole place explodes and he's yeah. like i made it and then he climbs down and the very first thing we saw him do when he arrived was the skillet that he's going to cook in. There was some old spaghetti in there, and he threw it out the window. And the movie showed us the spaghetti landing at the bottom of the window. He's up a couple of floors <laughs> on the ground. So when he finally lets himself down, he's at the very bottom level, and he's on the part of the ladder that you're supposed to slide down to get down from the second story to the ground. And it won't work. And he's on it, and he's bouncing it, and he's bouncing it. And we're like, oh, there could still be something that's going to get him. And it finally goes down a little bit and gets stuck, and he drops himself down. And he sighs, and he says, wow, that was something. And then he slips on the spaghetti, falls backwards, so he's looking up. And the ladder that he was just on comes <laughs> charging down towards his face. The movie's not done playing with this, though, because it stops right before it hits him. And he goes, whew. Uh, and then we, we see a close-up of... It then falls loose and then punctures him right through the eye. Uh, uh, we saw the word both eye. Both eyes. Uh, you only see one. It's this gratuitous side. I don't. It's this gratuitous CG shot. I think it's just the one. Because I think be both. Because the letters. I thought it was wide. both, but the rungs would still be wider apart than his eyes would be. Right. right. I, I, you just see a side shot, and it's one of those like early CG gore things that now is just like, yeah, that's dumb. Uh, but back then, I imagine it probably looked pretty cool. Uh, but it's you know it's plunging through his eye, and we saw the word "eye" written on the refrigerator. Uh, stupid idiot! You should have <laughs> known that was going to happen because no, no, I... that was for us in the audience, Kelly Wand. I'm talking to him. Right, but he shouldn't. Right, okay, I see. But there's no way he would have seen that stuff. Yeah, he didn't. Well, he was also very easily relieved multiple times. Like after the third thing, I would have gone, "All right, well." At least I won the lottery. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, he goes through a lot. Yeah. So. So at any rate, when that ladder uh, uh, comes, and I actually like Final. I might say Final Destination Two is the best of the series. I love the car, the cars thing. At yeah. The I know amazing. it's it's a great setup, and yeah. and the airbag. There's a lot of good ones. So that's and it kind of doesn't give a shit two? about the characters at all. I kind of like that. Yeah. Final Destination Two, and like, like Kelly Wan eh. is 
Yeah, like it knows the characters are there just as like death fodder. Yeah. And la- later on, they're doing like intricate backstories, and they want you to care about the characters. And uh... yeah. Is Although this... Final Destination three is pretty throwaway, I guess. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, but the deaths in two are kind of grisly, like right. in a way that later it's all CG, and you're like, Ugh. yeah. And the ones in the first one, the the first one's interesting just because the characters actually seem to care that they're dying <laughs> and miss each other. Like the they grieve at least. Yeah. I don't know. Right. The second one is just for us, for the audience. Yeah, is, yeah. No one grieves. Is the uh, is the eye surgery thing in the second one? I don't. It's Trista Allen. Too. Oh no no wait no 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 that's in the last one. It's the dentist thing. That's the, yeah that's an FD too. It's the yeah. dentist and the elevator with the hook. Right right it's right. Also in that one. Yeah. There's Dingus, a lot of good ones. Have you ever seen a Final Destination movie, Dingus? Yeah, I've seen the first one. Uh, is this also a James Wong one? No, he no. ended up turning them over to other people. Uh, it, yeah. Oh, all right. I don't even know if he kept writing. He did them. three though. He did do three. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. The roller coaster one. Yeah. The, the one... rules change every movie. That's another. I remember thing. the the yeah. one with the with the really great car crash. What was that one? That's, that's two. two. That's two. Yeah. That's so two. Well, five then has then another car crash, and four has a car crash. Like three was ones with cars. Tom and I have had this out before. Tom right. thinks uh, that's three different things. Wait, I think what's three different things? That there's three the final destination accidents, the inciting ones, and right. three of them are car related. And one's on a bridge, but it's still the, fucking cars. The bridge know? one is the one I'm thinking of. Which one is Yeah, that's five. That's five. All right. That's the, yeah. probably what I'm thinking of then. Or six. Are there five or six, Tom? I think there's only five. <laughs> yeah. All right. And five is zero. Oh, right, right. Because the, the big twist at the end is, eh, it's a prequel. You're not supposed to know that, though. Sorry. Oh, but it's got Keckner in it. Right. You get to see him die twice. Uh, all right, so now, Kelly Wand, it's your Great. turn. What is your yeah. f- second favorite ladder scene? Uh, so I went, yeah, Nadine doesn't really hold up. So then I went with um, Jackie Chan's first strike, um, where he uses a ladder uh, in a fight with a bunch of hoodlums in a warehouse. It's like the last thing he uses, and then he uses it so well, like as a weapon and and like to keep them at bay and also like as a shield where his head pops through that you're like that should just be his signature weapon he should just be the martial arts guy with the ladder that goes around fucking that's the one where he just he uses the ladder acrobatically to fight with yeah but creatively and then at the end he more guys come in with machine guns and they just he he like Every time he moves the ladder, he like flips it around a bunch of times unnecessarily because he's martial artist. <laughs> and then uh, when they come in, uh, they just stare at him instead of fighting him because you know they ran out of this fight's over. He like flips it a bunch of times and then sits on it and stares at them to tell us that the fight sequence is over. Like, all right, but he like bounces on it too, doesn't he? Yeah. He spins around like Neo, and he pops up through the different rungs, and he hits them with it, and he climbs up it and kicks them, and then climbs back down it. It's pretty exciting. But you sound a little dismissive of it, because I I think he's doing that. He's doing all those things himself. I'm only dismissive because I want it to keep going, and it ends too soon. So I'm picturing it, and I'm like, oh, the whole movie should just be him and the ladder. 
and now I'm, I'm wanting to rewrite it. But it is really good, and it's a high high end Jackie Chan action sequence with a ladder. When a ladder not used for climbing, but for fighting. And everything else, in, I think it's like, that's the climax of the sequence. And before that, he like, you know, throws uh, trash at them and like nothing as good as the ladder and like punches pinata heads at them and it confuses them. But uh, the ladder's good. Yes. I'm sorry. Do I right. still sound dismissive? I feel no, no, I'm doing no, it a disservice. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I had somebody who... Uh, uh, a listener of ours named Craig who was like, I only have one, so I'm not going to send it. Uh, because the only one that matters is the one that you just mentioned, Kelly. Because he thinks oh. it's the best thing ever. It is the best thing ever. It's just the sound of my voice makes me depressed sometimes. All right. No worries. It's not the ladder. All right, Dingus, your second favorite ladder movie. All right, here's a quote from it. Use his leg. Use his leg. So uh, this is from, and speaking of, you know, Kelly, you talked about him not using the ladder for climbing necessarily, but for fighting. Uh, this would be the ladder used um, in the movie The Wrestler, uh, the uh. Darren Aronofsky movie. Um, and it's uh, it's really hard to watch that again. Uh, but I, lo- I just, this is one of those, uh, this this is one of those moments where I have to forgive the such and such happens earlier moment uh, thing because uh, this is um, his, this is Mickey Rourke's fight against Necro, I think is the name of the dude. Uh, And uh, they're fighting. He's the guy who says, are you okay with staples? basically. And it's this weird um, construction uh, Home Depot almost oriented fight that goes on on stage. There's all kinds of uh, bob wire to to use Tom's term. <laughs> um, what else would you call uh, it? That's, what it's, that's the name it, of it, of course. There's barb. Well, it's got barbs on it, but it's, it's bob wire. barb. Uh, so... It, it, there's all this barbed wire. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a barb on a rose, but you still call it a rose. Mm, yeah, and it would <laughs> it, it would feel just yeah, as sharp. dingus. It's a different word that said something else. It's way uh, God. So the, the the guy. I mean, I love the way that this whole sequence is structured. Even though it does the does this uh, earlier that same day thing, I think it does it to really good effect in this particular scene because you you have the the guy who's very respectful of uh mickey rourke's character he's very he's like okay sir he calls him sir all the time he's like i i i as long as we don't run a lot i'll be fine are you okay with staples you know staple gun uh this this all precipitates mickey rourke's character's uh, heart attack i mean his huge heart failure problem that he has um, but it's it's just brutal and bloody and awful. But what you see in in the way that the scene is structured or w- the sequence is structured is is this guy saying, "Okay, you're okay with staples," and then you see the the scene on the stage or in the ring rather, which stage ring whatever. You see this this step la- this ladder, not step ladder, but this ladder that is one of the triangular you know, like not. A straight up ladder, but I don't know what the difference is. I don't know how you say it. Um, the the 
ladder that's sitting there in the ring and you're just wondering oh my gosh they're not even darren aronofsky isn't even going to tell me what they used that for and then all of a sudden it's 14 minutes earlier and feathered in between this is the doctor uh patching uh mickey works character up pulling the staples out uh closing uh. wounds uh you figure out why that dude necro has a dollar bill stapled to his forehead um and then you understand and then you see him during the as the fight uh as the fight evolves through the editing going back and forth between the repara- uh, repairing of the fighters and the actual fight itself it's just masterful as far as editing is concerned you see him pull this ladder out take it up onto the into the ring set it up and then drag Mickey Rourke's character up the ladder and then Mickey Rourke punches him punches him and then they jump they go down onto this table and this pays off a line that's earlier when they first wind up in the uh uh, green room or whatever you would call it for wrestlers and Mickey Rourke has said I hope that table drop was okay with you I mean it was it it, it, uh, it seems like a moment of improvisation they drop down onto this folding table that has Bob wire on it and crash into it and it's just it's bloody it's awful they drop off of the ladder onto it and it's just that that whole reveal of uh, the way the the scene is is edited from the beginning of seeing that ladder and going, what was that for? I guess they're just going to leave that out there. And then it gradually it's revealed that it was used and how it was used and how brutally it was used and how that ultimately leads to something that changes his life uh, and changes the course of the movie. So I, I really love that ladder, The Wrestler. Uh, Aunt May was in that movie. Was she? Yeah. Oh my god. My favorite ladder so of all time. Uh now that we're not this one isn't necessarily the ladder that I care about, but this is a ladder scene and it's like the you know Apple Dumpling Gang made quite the impression on a young Kelly Wand. <laughs> this movie made quite the impression on a young Tom Chick. Hmm. Uh so here's the deal. There's an installation that's been – it's like a several stories underground, and it's there. It's called the Wildfire Installation, and it's there so we can study uh, virulent diseases. Uh, and when a disease crashes into Earth on a comet, they carry it down there to study it, you see. And the scientists go down in there, and they study it, but at a certain point, because it's a movie, otherwise it would be really boring, the disease gets loose. And a nuclear self-destruct device is going to destroy this installation. And the one guy who has the key to shut it down, he's at the very bottom. But in order to get to the place where, they, where he shuts it down, he's got to climb up a level of this contained disease lab. So the doctor who's like the head doctor is like, okay, there's a way up. You have to go into the central shaft and climb up there. Unfortunately... Because we have lab animals down here, and we were worried about that they might get in there and try to escape, there are automated lasers that will try to shoot you down while you're climbing the ladder. To protect the animal. No, to protect the people, because it's a diseased animal, Kelly Wan, like a rhesus monkey. It's a diseased uh, rhesus monkey that's going to climb up out of that shaft and infect humanity. So these lasers are the those last... Those that have peanut butter in the middle? Yeah, exactly. And then the peanut butter carries <laughs> viruses in it. All right. 
So the lasers will shoot the rhesus monkeys down. So this guy has to climb the ladder while the lasers are shooting him. And this is the climactic scene in Andromeda Strain where he's got to – where they realize, oh my gosh, we're dumb. This whole thing that we've been studying, it's been neutralized. It's no longer a threat. Boy, we were silly. Uh, That was a close one. You know, we also found out that a nuclear explosion will increase it exponentially and make it more powerful. Fortunately, that's not going to happen. We called off the nuclear strike that was planned for the disease site. The president called that off. We're good. Once they do, Take once that, peanut butter. Once that happens, though, the the detonation thing in their uh, in their installation, the countdown starts because the disease also degrades rubber. So it degrades oh. the rubber that's containing it, and it gets oh. out into population, which is no big deal because it's been neutralized. But if the if the installation explodes, it won't just kill them. It will basically destroy humanity by making this disease, which just got loose, super powerful and super infectious. It'll, oh. it'll boost it to 100, basically. So this one guy who has to get up there and turn the key to shut it off. And I forgot, too, the whole setup. Like, So uh, uh, not Ray Wise, Robert Wise. Robert Wise directed mm. uh, Andromeda Strain. It's from a Michael Crichton novel. Uh, and it's 1971, so boy, does it take its time introducing. Yeah. And I, but if you say that Kelly one like it's a bad thing. I love that about Andromeda Strain. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like it really it takes, takes time. its time, sl- sh- showing you the characters and yeah. and talking you through the way the installation works and the color coding. Like it's got this whole progression as they go deeper and deeper into the installation, and the color coding changes, and the level of containment changes, and the rules change, uh, and eventually they get to the bottom where they're doing the study, and there's just a lot of science talk. Like, it opens really creepy with the town that's been wiped out by the disease, and that stuff, like, that's great horror movie stuff, and then it gets super science-y, which... Is a, is a nice twist. Like the monster is completely debunked. This virus is completely demystified. And I imagine Crichton wrote, wrote the novel that way. Is they just explain what it does and they eventually explain, oh, you know, alkaline co- uh, compounds will shut it down. It's it's harmless, it, it turns out. This was a fluke. Uh, but then because it also degrades rubber, it, it breaks through the containment and sets off the automatic detonation. So one of the things that they establish early on in the movie is that there's only one of them, and it's basically about four scientists. There's only one of them who has the key to shut off the detonation. And the reason he has it is because everyone else is married and has a family. He is a single man, and according to these studies, uh, uh, he is more likely to weigh the good of humanity over his own immediate needs. He's not bound by the emotional connections that the people with families have. So they set it up early on why this one guy, he's the only one with the key around his neck. And there's even a moment, too, where he he sort of pondered. This has all been explained to him, and he looks at the key, and he says, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever be able to, to activate the detonation. And the lead guy is like, no, dummy, you don't understand. You don't activate the detonation. It goes off automatically. All you get is the option to turn it off. Uh, <laughs> so that when it does go off, he's the one who has to climb. And I remember as a kid being freaked out. The laser stuff now is super dated, and it looks really silly, uh, especially like the controls, like the, 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 the control panels where you can see the computer aiming at him and, uh, and the laser effects. And it shoots him in the cheek. And as a kid, that really freaked me out. Right. Like, oh, my God, he just got shot in the face with a laser. Uh, Ouch. And there's a really weird thing, too, which I didn't understand. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast a long time ago, is 
when he gets shot by the laser, his vision starts getting blurry and it's harder for him to climb. And it's oh, adding shit. tension as the countdown is going. It's adding tension as he can't move and he's like stumbling around. And the lead scientist who's talking him through this, who's monitoring the laser tracking and saying things like, okay, duck, like in order to help him avoid yeah. the lasers. The lead scientist has a quick throwaway line that says, uh, it's just the shock. Keep going. But, yeah. But the reason is in the book – there's no lasers. There are tranquilizer guns that will drug the animals. So I don't know what is going on, but they kept the That's idea not of visual. Exactly. That's I'm thinking in 1971, Robert Wise or whoever his production designer were, whoever wrote the script, understood. Let's have lasers because in 1971, like lasers are super advanced science fiction stuff. So they changed yeah. them from trank darts to lasers, but. To add to the tension of him having to slow down and having to struggle with being unable to see and move, they kept the whole conceit of him being drugged, uh, which doesn't really go with lasers. Well, back then they thought lasers made you see worse. It, well, now that was – exactly. We don't know any better when the other scientist says, it's just the shock. Right. <laughs> we thought, yeah. That's a scientist saying it. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. A laser will shoot you and it will make you sleepy. That's, and shock you. Right, we don't know any better. Into sleep. <laughs> Something. So there you go. Wait. And eventually, yeah, yes, Kelly Wand. Why didn't they send four bachelors? Why well, oh, so it's it's a fair enough question. And early on in the movie, uh, I love that you don't know this as you're watching the movie. It's just about four random people, and and, and Jurassic Park kind of does this too, where uh, you meet them in the middle mm. of their lives, and someone comes to the door and it's like, we we need you to come with us. It's it's an emergency. And then you later find out that each of them is necessary for their area of scientific expertise. Oh, like Annihilation. Exactly, Kelly Wand. Exactly. Yes. All right, so Andromeda Strain is my number one <laughs> favorite ladder scene, and it has less to do with the movie and more to do with a young, impressionable Tom Chick being freaked out by what it would be like if you got shot in the face with a laser. That's another – all yours were high-tech ladders. The Final Destination one, like a fire escape, isn't really high tech. Uh, well, it is. Well, death's using it. <laughs> death. That's He's the whole like thing a with godlike being. Yeah, but death in Final Destination uses the dopiest tools. Come on, it uses like a that's pool true. cleaner, and it uses the the manhole cover, and it uses a, it uses spaghetti. It's like the Omen kids. I mean, when it decapitates the guy with the glass. Right, like and the guy with the glass. Yeah, his name, he has a name. It's David Warner. Kelly Wand. Uh, nerd alert. <laughs> Kelly Wand, speaking uh, of I'm, nerds. Oh, yes, Dingus. I love that you brought up that the, that the one dude was not married, and that's why they gave him that that particular assignment. Um, but it's, it's driving me a little nuts right now, and I'm totally distracted by uh, trying to remember a quote from a, a, a similar, not, not this kind of movie, but some sort of military disaster yeah. movie. I know the quote. What is the quote? Turn your key, sir. No. <laughs> what, what are you thinking of? Tell him a meeting. Uh, <laughs> there is a quote where where some hero, like a Kevin Costner level hero, says, "I just I want to ask, are any of the men married? No. All right. Why are you asking that? Just that's and it's just clear that that's what's important to him. That uh, that w whatever men that he's sending on this mission right. aren't married. Well, now I want to know what that's from." I do too, and it's driving me a little bit nuts that I can't remember it, but it'll come to me. Well, I love that whole moral calculus of, yeah. you know, it, it could be also too like who, who's 
allowed on the lifeboats? Like, is it people yeah. who have families at home? And like, if you're single, is your life in a way worse, less worth less because you impact fewer people? There's no one relying on you. Like, that's that's an important part of you know moral theory. Uh, right. So right, yeah. Right. Do you remember right. in in the Martian novel? There's a scene. I was really bummed when this wasn't in the movie. Where like the youngest crew member, the female one's writing her mom and uh, or and she's something like, yeah, we don't have enough food to get back, but I'll oh, make yeah. it back. Yeah. And the mom's like, well, what would you eat? And then she doesn't say anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, that gets to my whole thing. about I, I just don't understand. Cannibalism is no dilemma for me. If you have to live – I've said this to you guys before. If we're ever in a lifeboat and I die, I totally won't mind if you eat my body to survive. I, I have no problem with that. Just I want you guys to know. If you got to stay alive. Eat dingus. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Kelly Wand, I need to know your favorite ladder in all of moviedom. He's just, he just has less hair in the parts. The – I would seek out. What's first. happening right now? I'll, I'll edit that out, Dingus. Don't worry. Right, okay. Um, what was the question? My number one favorite ladder. Exactly. <laughs> the one to the lifeboat where I can eat Dingus at the bottom. No. <laughs> JK. Uh, it's actually uh, the motion picture of National Lampoon's Animal House, which um, I saw in 1978 when it came out. The theaters. It was the first R rated movie I saw. My dad took me to see it. It's a really good rite of passage. And. By then, Apple Dumpling Gang had, was three years in my rear view. So I was like, when John Belushi gets the ladder to spy on the naked debutantes in the sorority house. And also he looks back at us and breaks the fourth wall and does some eyebrow chicanery to let us know that everything's cool. Um, I was not worried I could watch that scene unstressed out because I... Apple Dumpling Gang had primed me for Animal House, in a way. And I watched John Belushi. Because when he, John Belushi, he climbs the ladder, and then he's spying on the ladies through the window. And then he gets kind of bored with the pillow fight, topless pillow fight. So he moves the ladder by like, <laughs> jumping on the top rung, and it's super this. loud. Yeah. And it like goes doof, doof, like super just banging against the window even and the wall of the house. And you're like, they're going to hear him. Like even Don Knotts and Tim Conway were trying for stealth. But John Belushi, I mean, he's like right next to the window and they're standing out looking out the window. It's not like one way glass. And then she's still she somehow still never sees him. And then you think that's what's going to happen is she's going to see him. But then instead uh it just gets too intense for him and he falls over backwards and isn't hurt because he's fat. So that's cool. All right. Thanks, John Landis. Best ladder scene in movies. All right, Dingus, what do you have that tops that? Uh, okay, so uh, since he chose Animal House, I guess I have to choose uh, one of the vacation movies. Me Hashtag see. Me Too Rungs. All right, so here's a quote from it. Uh, actually, this is... Uh, Two lines of dialogue. Uh, let me show you the door. I'll just go back out the window. Um, so this is a movie called Rushmore. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Jesus movie. Christ! Um, this Will is why I'm, I'm so happy I that mean, Tom brought up Andrew Wilson because this this topic was entirely uh, uh, 
entirely inspired by watching I Love Dogs because I watched a bunch of Wes Anderson movies and ladders are constantly showing up in his movies. Uh, there's huh. there's ones in Fantastic Mr. Fox. There's ones in I Love Dogs. He just I the dude loves ladders. I mean, of course, there's a bunch of them in uh, Life Aquatic. I mean, he's just got ladders going on all the time. Uh, I think he's just got a ladder fetish. Uh, but I just kept seeing them show up in these movies and this is one of those things that made me choose the topic uh i could have gone with three wes anderson movies but i figured that would have been a crappy thing to do so i just went with the rushmore one that i love the most and uh it's when he fakes a bicycle accident outside of (laughs) outside of his teacher the teacher that he has a crush on outside of her house um and this is this is indicative and i i understand i know that you know, tom's not a big fan of this movie uh for various reasons but this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time and people know this about me uh but this is one of the things that that this is one of the scenes or sequences that i really love that kind of sets what was anderson is about uh as far as um doing this weird sort of thing that's that's a little bit um, fairy tale and fantasy or some weird hybrid of those two things uh, when he when he weaves his worlds because th- this is clearly not realistic uh, he's he's it, first of all it just looks beautiful uh, it, it's raining he's put the bike that that Bloom has run over during their jealousy thing, uh, their crazy, weird clashing. Uh, he, he's put that damaged bike down in the road right in this pool of light uh, in the rain, uh, in this pool of street light, this perfect pool of street light down in the rain. Uh, and this ladder just appears up, it, it just appears in the frame. And you don't know where the ladder is. Where did you get this ladder? He, you, he, they show him. Wes Anderson shows Max getting the bike out of the garage with its bent wheel because it's been run over by a car, and all of a sudden the ladder just appears in frame, and he climbs up the ladder to the second floor of her house where she is lying in the room of her husband who has is dead has been dead it's his childish his childhood bedroom uh and max climbs up this this ladder knocks on the window she opens the window what are you doing here i just i'm sorry i'm a little confused i just got hit by a car well come on in and it's just this weird fantasy strange thing that is happening this this other this other universe that wes anderson sort of spools out uh and he goes in uh she says okay oh you're bleeding Uh, let me let me go grab something real quick and he puts a cassette tape in he lies down in the bed she figures out that it's fake blood and she tells him you got to get out and he says uh that's fine (laughs) Uh, she goes i'll show you the door and he says nah I'll just go out the window <laughs> where I put a ladder up for no apparent reason and no way that this ladder could have shown up. But nevertheless, I love it because of the way that it 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 supports and 
is instructive of Wes Anderson's worlds and the way the way that Wes Anderson creates worlds. Um, so I, I just, I am totally crazy about that weird ladder and the way it, it comes into frame, particularly visually the way the ladder, where did that come from? Where did he get it? I don't know, but I love it so much. I love that he does that and he goes up to the second floor and knows to do it. So uh, my, my number one choice would be Rushmore. All right, Rushmore. Dingus, the listeners might have some ladders that they liked. They might. How will we find that out? Oh, I will read them. Uh, we have Mike McBain. Mm. McBain. McBain. <laughs> uh, so Mike McBain said, Hiya, short-time listener, but I'm catching up. Uh, these are the three ladder scenes which popped straight to my mind when you mentioned the theme in your podcast. Number one, executive decision. Oh, <laughs> I guess so, yeah. My personal favorite, the boarding scene, is one of the most memorable ladder scenes of all time, is it killed off Steven Seagal right off the bat. I still remember the cheers and whoops of joy among those I was watching it with as relief washed over us. More seriously, when Seagal was unfondly <laughs> remembered, he was a fairly well-known name at the time. And his untimely death was totally unexpected. I literally remember nothing else about this film. <laughs> now he's a Russian tool. Or so uh, McBain's number two is Jackie Chan's first strike. <clears throat> Probably the greatest use of a ladder as a prop. Yeah. Jackie Chan movies were always beautifully choreographed mayhem, and the outtakes at the end of his films always drive home how risky they were. This scene in particular had more than its fair share. They don't make them like this anymore, probably no. for a good reason, given the risks, but the world is surely poorly for, poorer for it. Did Jackie really get his hands trapped in the ladder toward the end? Difficult he acted to say. like it. Yeah. He says, difficult to say, but his reaction is believable and sometime, and something we can all relate to. Still makes me wince more than the blows that land throughout the rest of the scene. He does it a couple times. He, like, waves his hand, like, oh, got my fingers. Uh, and so Mike McBain's uh, number three is Aliens. The airlock oh. scene at the end with the queen hanging on to Ripley's foot. Oh, that's a good one. I love this film, but this never quite gelled. The size of the queen would have surely left Ripley with a dislocated shoulder, uh, and the claw would have left a lacerated, if not amputated, foot. Uh, it doesn't last too long, just enough for last grasp, and is a decent callback to the original film. But I do wonder if it would have served Ripley's character more if it lasted just a moment longer and showed it doing some serious damage. It's hard to match the alien, like, the aliens music, that thunderous, the James Cameron exciting action aliens music, with someone climbing a ladder, because it's always kind of slow. Well, that's why the, the, there's an explosive decompression going on. At the right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Well, right we know so what we're looking at. <laughs> next, we have Nick D. Hi, guys. Number three, the naked gun. Oh. Leslie Nielsen goes to question nice Ricardo Montalban about the case oh. he's working on. There he meets the femme fatale Priscilla Presley, who helps uh. him get the files he needs. To get the files, she climbs up the an attic ladder while wearing a dress. Uh. Her top half is out of the frame, and Leslie Nielsen stands directly under the ladder, looks up and exclaims, 
Nice beaver. To which she says, thank you. I just had it stuffed. Hands it down to him. And passes down a stuffed beaver. Her skirt's not in the frame, too. Like, it almost goes up. It, like, hiked up as she climbs up to the top of the ladder. It's really good. Nick Nick D's second pick, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This one might get get pulled over, but I'm going to argue that after Indiana Jones cuts the rope bridge in half, all right, you, uh, it becomes a ladder. Uh-huh. With Cape Capshaw, Short Round, and Molaram all on one side finding to get up. The green screening hasn't aged well, uh, but it's still a thrilling sequence culminating, culminating with Indy saying the incantation to make the Shankara stones burst into flame and cause Molaram to lose his grip. When he goes, oh shit, and then cuts it. So, uh, what do you guys think? I love it. There's a remember, bridge becoming vertical, make a ladder. Yeah, or remember the, in, in Final Destination 5, the opening scene where the bridge collapses and turns yeah. into a ladder? Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. That was something remember else. Remember in yeah. Gravity when the cable becomes a ladder? Okay, tough. All right, you're getting a warning, Nick. Uh, um, so, Nick D, it's not up to you. You can um all you want. Nick D's I even one. wondered. I even wondered about Mike's thing. Is that is that really a ladder that Ripley's like? Why is there a ladder in an airlock? <laughs> is that really? Yeah, because I, I I just recall like handholds or banisters or maybe it was an actual ladder in Aliens. I don't remember. But... I remember ladders too in two thousand one. I don't know if if those count as ladder. I don't know. Wouldn't they be on every wall if there was one? Exactly. Like, how do you know which which side Ripley's gonna fall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. I I just thought it was like part of the infrastructure or something, like the of the ship. I don't know. But I, I even think at that, if that point, was like, how do you get on board? Why was it under the floorboards and the tail? And they don't hear it. And how does it? Like what? that stuff's airtight. I can explain all that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Then the ladder should be simple. But yeah, uh, the the bridge in, in Temple of Doom. That's and just because something acquires a directionality in which you can travel it <laughs> vertically doesn't make it Tom, a ladder. Yes, Kelly Wand. Not necessarily if it started out as a ladder, <laughs> two ladders on different cliffs, and then they eventually went, hey, you know what? Let's just, <laughs> let's just tie these together. <laughs> no one's going to fuck with it. Just make a bridge, man. And then Indiana Jones was just restoring it to its natural state. I see. I see. With his well, sword, machete. A ladder, a horizontal ladder, is still a ladder. It doesn't. I mean, like. Uh, That's what Freud said. All right. Good point. Um, number one for Nick D is Police Story Four: First Strike. Arr. So he's the only one who got the title right, apparently. Jackie Chan plays Hong Kong cop tracking an international nuclear weapons smuggler. But he gets framed for murder. Of the Yakuza boss in Australia, lol. Uh, he doesn't get the first strike, though. And the ladder, they're beating the shit out of him until he gets the ladder. So it's kind of a strange time. Uh, as with all the greatest Jackie Chen fights, he uses the environment and the objects around him as part of the choreography. And the climax of the routine involves Jackie Chan using a folding step ladder in all... The impossible ways you can imagine. Indiana Jones just uses a gun as a prop. He fights. That's okay, though. Uh, <laughs> Arthur, Joe, and Jelly. Uh, number three, Isle of Dogs. Oh. Uh, there is a wall of posters promoting the re-election of May- Mayor Kobayashi. We then see a ladder appear 
and a student climbs it and spray paints Atari Lives over mm-hmm. one of the posters. I just love the way everything moves and looks in this movie, and this small scene is no exception. Um, Arthur, uh, I'm with you because that's kind of part of the thing that inspired this topic. So thank you, Arthur. Uh, Arthur's second pick is Cloud Atlas. Wow. What? Uh, Nobody ever picks Cloud Atlas for a three. I know. That's Come exciting. on. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually pretty interested in what the heck is. Okay. After David Gyasi uh-huh. is told to unfurl a sail on Jim Broadbent's ship, we see him rapidly ascend the mast with little more than a rope in his feet. What I love about this image is that there are clearly rope ladders on the ship that are designed to aid in this climb, but Gyasi is so proficient with boats that he doesn't need to use them. His prowess impresses Broadbent to the point where he decides to keep Gyasi and the crew and not shoot him. Even though the ladders aren't used, they are an important part of the scene. Hopefully this is not cheating. Uh, uh, Arthur, I... <laughs> there, there, Jim Broadbent was in Cloud Atlas? Yes. <laughs> that's, my, that's my response. <laughs> I don't think a rope ladder is the nautical term. He was played by Tom Hanks, actually. <laughs> right, with an accent, yeah. yeah. And a lot of makeup. <laughs> um, no, I kind of like the idea of that in misdirect. I don't remember anything that you're talking about, even though I was the only one of the three of us who liked Cloud Atlas, I think. Can I float Can I float a statement here, and I'd be curious how you guys, and Arthur, Arthur, write in. Let me know how you feel about what I'm about to say. Cloud Atlas is not as good as Valerian and the City of a Thousand oh, Planets. Oh, okay. Here no. we go. Oh, <laughs> it's really? better than That's... Jupiter Ascending. Okay, right. that I'm okay with, but uh, come on. So What's right, with good. you and Valerian? Yeah, wh- how did you get into a relationship with Valerian? I don't understand yeah, what how happened? this happened. I just I watched it again, and I just really appreciated how but, how committed Cara Delevingne was, and she was just really present in every scene, and she was really trying, and she's uh, she's just kind of darn adorable. And I'm now that's why it's called Valerian. Well, I'm now a fan. I mean, the, the fact that they even took her name out of the title, and she still, by golly, she gave it her all. Bless yeah. her little heart. She's just a... Uh, Valerian, a thousand worlds and no girl. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and come on, there's... <laughs> and, and also, like, that's the thing, is the, the two girls who are the, 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 get the lead billing are the most memorable thing about that movie, because Rihanna's right. Bubble character also. That that dance with yeah. Bubble, I mean, it's all CG fakery, but it's Rihanna dancing. That That's an, that's an amazing sequence. Uh, and it holds... The, the problem with rewatching Valerian, The City of a Thousand Planets... Is as you're watching it, you're going, yeah, okay, this is fine. You know what? That's a cool – hey, that's, look at her. She's really trying. Okay, that's dumb, but I can get past it. Like that goes on for about the first half of the movie, yeah. and then it completely crumbles after you've sat through the second half of the movie. So then it reveals an endless exposition. Exactly. Like before they get into that whole hangar thing where they're talking to the, the – And then Valerian's a douchebag. He really is. He really is. Yeah. Well, he is throughout. Here's the. Here's what I love yeah. about Cara Delevingne. He is throughout, and she knows it. She will take yeah. none of his guff. She's not fallen for it. So one of the problems at the end of the movie is suddenly she likes him. No. No. That's what I'm saying. She's still fucking him. No, she's not. I mean, she <laughs> she ends up agreeing to marry him, but they, but. Through that early implies. on, early on in the movie, she wants nothing. She's like, "No, I'm your. We're, we're, it's a working relationship. I'm not going to put up with any of your nonsense." And she and won't have smirks. it. And he just smirks, and she calls him on it. And she's like, "You're smirking. 
Mm. It's her subtext. It's when not she's always saving says. him, and he's like, huh, whatever, bitch. Right. So that's the I'm thing. Awesome. Is when she gives in and agrees, yeah, okay, let's get married. I'm like, no, he didn't earn it. You're better than that. Well, maybe she's going undercover against him. So I'm just going to start from – I'm going to see now every – I'm going to rewatch every Cara Delevingne no. movie. No. You, what was the one you, far from the Madding You actually have to watch Flat Atlas now again. <laughs> Is she in it? No, you have to watch – you've made that statement. Now you have to watch Cloud Atlas again. No, I can make the statement having only seen it once, can't I? No, you have to watch three hours of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Wait, but I've already done that once. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> You've watched uh, A Thousand Planets twice. <laughs> That's like 2,000 planets. 2,000 planets. Yeah, exactly. Huge. All right. I, re- I, I just think that Cloud Atlas is so much more ambitious, but I, I, well, mean, yeah, I loved yeah. it more than you guys did. I liked Cloud Atlas until I found out that the the actors, which characters they're playing is irrelevant. And then I was like, what? I was trying to keep track of that. Boo. What do you mean Cloud it's irrelevant? Atlas. What does that mean? Well, like, they, there Tom would Hanks be some story reason. This... Yeah, that there was some thematic connection between the characters. Right, like he's based paying on who back back the yeah. debt or something. I will say this though: uh, the Wachowskis are, are better filmmakers than Luc Besson. I'll give I'll give you that. Oh, uh, oh, uh, Jupiter's sending. Oh. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot that that was them. <laughs> but and Tom never made a movie again. But Tom, uh, what's his name? Hanks. Uh, Tom Tickver. Tickwer? Tick, how Tickwer, do you say his name? right. Tickwer. He, he also yeah. directed it. He directed it with them. Cloud what? Atlas? Jupiter Ascending? No, Cloud Atlas. Oh, okay. Cloud Atlas is way better than Jupiter Ascending. I'll grant you. Oh, Jupiter Ascending. It, it's, its worst yeah. day is better than Jupiter Ascending. Is Cara Delevingne in Jupiter Ascending? Because I'll see it if she is. No, it's a chimp. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another way of saying yes no offense all right so arthur was was cloud atlas is number two where, where uh, arthur's number two uh, was, was cloud atlas number okay. one is golden eye <laughs> jesus christ what i mean golden eye when sean bean has pierce brosnan cornered brosnan releases a latch which causes a trap door to open and a huge ladder to extend, what? allowing Brosnan to evade Bean. Brosnan, Bean Brosnan then have their final confrontation on this ladder before Bean falls to his death. Wait, uh. John Bean dies in this movie? In a movie? I played the hell out of GoldenEye 64. That's the one with Jansen as the hot... She gets aroused when terrible things happen. <laughs> Jansen? That's Famka. Famka to you and me, Dingus. Oh, oh and Skirko's in it. I played the Goldeneye. hell out of GoldenEye 64 when I was young. Yeah, so it was the first console me. shooter. It was the other Halo. All right. All right, fair enough. Next we have Brian Becker. Uh, I was having some difficulties with this topic until I remembered what I w- would have been my number one for your 3 by 3 on buses. Police Story! Number four, First Strike. <sighs> Directed by the vastly overrated Stanley Tong. Ooh, Ouch. bitter. Spiteful. Jackie Chan, for reasons, uh, I think nuclear weapons smuggling, gets into a fight with a funeral party. Yeah. <laughs> Among other items, he takes a standard sip ladder and fights off a bunch of dudes. Is that the one where there's these two girls kind of fighting over him, and one's like a blonde Russian lady, and the other one's like a, a 
a cute Asian secretary kind of type. I, I like. They're like think, Jackie, come in here. You think Dingus or I would know the answer to that? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you don't like? Okay. I don't even. I, I can't tell one Jackie Chan movie from the others. I don't know his early movies. Well, there was from... like a revival of them, like Rumble right. in the Bronx, and there was like th- there were three in a row where they dubbed them into English. I know Rush Hour. That one's dumb. Do you hear Stop the words that are coming those. out of his mouth? Huh? <laughs> I did see The Foreigner, which is the retitled uh, from a novel called The Chinaman, which apparently they didn't feel that that was appropriate for the name of a movie. Huh. Uh, I did see The Foreigner that he was in, where it's kind of. I mean, I think it's supposed to be kind of sad, but it's kind of sad watching him at this age still trying to do some of those those sequences. Yeah, uh, well, he's older. I mean, Ken well, Baldwin was... It's older, and he... Time. Right, and he... he uh, the movie's aware of it, but it's still kind of sad uh, to see. Yeah, he got famous here too late. Yeah. Are you are you saying, well, I don't I don't know because I haven't seen it. Are they... Are they cutting around that, or is he... Oh, no, no, no. He, no, no. He's a... Like, he, he's a lot of fun to watch in it, but... The whole conceit is that he's a little too old to do the kinds of things that he's doing in the fight scenes, and that it hurts his back, oh. and that it, uh, the movie's terrible, by the way. It's a horrible movie, and it's just embarrassing. I think it's is it Pierce Brosnan. Like it's just some embarrassing political nonsense about the, the Irish Republican Army and oh, yeah. communist. Like all of it, it's a terrible political thriller. But uh, it's just kind of sad seeing Jackie Chan all slowed down in a movie about. A guy who's all slowed down, uh, knowing I like that. like the first Shanghai. I like Shanghai Nights, or no, Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon, yeah. That's that one's Owen, all right. Owen Wilson, yeah. I, I actually like that movie, but I, what I was wondering is is if they're trying to pretend he can still do it, or if they're. It's not like Michelle Yeoh in uh, the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sequel. Oh. Where they do. He directed a period her. piece movie. I thought, like a turn of the century. Oh, Age of Innocence, right, with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. The Chinaman should be <laughs> a non-racist. I made that up. Uh, it should be, and it, it makes a lot of sense in the movie, too. Like, it's an important plot point, but I just feel that they thought it was... I, I mean, I don't think it should be a slur, but I think it is. I don't get people. why it is a slur. <laughs> uh, if you're you an just, American man, it's you should not just, a slur. Well, there, there's, no, there's no comparable word. There's no, like, American man. You just say, I'm an American. I'm Chinese. I'm a person from America. I'm a person from China. Saying so Chinaman, Chinaman, what's the slur part? The slur part is probably well, the way that Chinamen were referenced when they were, like, used as cheap labor in the West. It's probably the way right. that racists referred to them. It's like, it's like yeah, calling some... But, you know. Right. It's, I mean, like, it's like when, uh, when Michael on The Office says to Oscar, can you choose another word besides Mexican that's not offensive? And Oscar's like, but I'm Mexican. Right. It's just it's like ex- the scorpion it- story. <laughs> Kelly, last chance, first strike. Uh, all right. Get so uh, Brian Becker only chose uh, first strike, uh, but he does tell us that he wants us to see. Sorry to bother you. Everybody's telling me that. Yeah, Everybody's saying it. Yeah. So I have to see it because I'm getting it from all quarters. He's, see, he's sorry saying to bother that. You. Particularly having heard us talk about Black Clans. Yeah, I have to see it now. Yes. All right, our final. Wait, runner... Diggis, before you read that, uh, I All just right. want to say, of the two people who wrote in so far, we have they there. It would be great names for cops in a buddy movie if one was Mike McBain and the other was Brian Becker. Like that sounds like the names of of two cops who uh, are thrown together for the first time to solve a case. 
just wanted to say that. It sounds like the names that they would have chosen for. Uh, is it the other guys were um, Dwayne Johnson right. and Samuel Jackson jump off the roof? Yeah, McBain and Becker. Yeah, exactly. I will not bond with you, Becker. <laughs> what was oh, that guys. from, Kelly Wand? <laughs> That's the movie I thought we were all writing together right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners are like, oh, God. All right, finally, we have Chris Markerson uh, to tell us. Uh, here are a few letters that I like that I suspect others may have chosen. Number three, first strike. Oh. Mm-hmm. See? That uh, means I won the three by three. Jackie, La- Jackie Chan using a ladder to fight is a sight to behold. Number two, Rachel Weiss's ladder hijinks in The Mummy wind oh. up knocking down all the bookshelves in the library. <laughs> oh, that's an awesome scene. If that's CG, it looks great because it really looks – it's like Domino's. You klutzy lady. That's adorable. It's awesome, yeah. I didn't know it started with the ladder. I forgot I that. I forgot that too. I like the ladder and oh, never mind. I'll wait. Um, and just uh, thought of a good Christmas, one. Number one choice is Christmas Vacation. Chevy Chase has some issues with the ladder he is using while putting up some Christmas lights. <laughs> wait. Okay, never mind. All right, so that's it. Uh, do you guys have any runners up? Wait, before I forget, the one in Temple of Doom where Short Round climbs up a ladder and then he swings it forward and then grabs, like, a rope that's hanging from a pit and the ladder falls past, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he rides the ladder like a pole vault. Mm -hmm. Whatever, Ward. (laughs) Fucking idiot, Kelly one. So there's a real ladder in Temple of Doom, that's all I'm saying, yeah. Oh, right, right. Uh, I like the scene in Alien Resurrection where... Uh, Jesus. The, well, the problem with the scene, it's a good scene, but the problem is that it was put into an alien movie. Right. Uh, but I like that scene where, you know, the, the, the paraplegic is on the one guy's back, and they're climbing up, and the alien's behind him, and he spits faces, he spits acid in the guy's face, and the guy almost falls, but then the guy who's he's carrying on his back grabs onto it, and then Ron Perlman, like, falls backwards and does the two-gun stuff. Uh, and there's a joke where he's scared of a little spider, and uh, like it's a it's a it's a fun action sequence, and you can sort of watch that and think, oh yeah, I can see Joss Whedon writing all this, uh, but it just does not belong in an alien movie. It's when they're running from the water. Yeah, from the water alien. There's like the ladder leading out of the water. They've just had the underwater chase, and they have to get up this this tall ladder to escape. Yeah, and the alien. I like climb behind him yeah. the ladder in poseidon where richard dreyfus steps on freddie rodriguez's fingers and makes him go it's down not a ladder it's an elevator shaft kelly wand all right whatever nerd also um <laughs> roger moore in a view to a kill i think there's a scene in san francisco where they're in a fire engine and tanya roberts is driving the fire engine and she's a really stupid driver so he's getting stuck on the ladder and like flying around <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a great bit in the movie Skyscraper, oh. starring starring Anna Nicole Smith, where oh, uh, ain't the, no ladders in the Dwayne ones. Right, right. In the Anna Nicole Smith one, they because they had a <laughs> they had a budget for pyrotechnics, and there's a <laughs> the bit Dwayne where these what? where I these, don't know what accent I was doing, Dingus. Sorry. 
Yeah, there's they're they're climbing up a fire truck ladder and the firemen explode like they get a missile shot at them or something and there's like oh, stu- yeah. stuntmen on top of a fire truck ladder set themselves on fire for no good reason. I mean it's the stunt they decided to do. And I'm watching it thinking, "Oh, they had a budget for pyrotechnics and paying stuntmen and getting this fire truck ladder out here." And Nicole Smith Wait, pro- the missile probably hits would. the guy on the ladder. Yeah, somebody shoots like a rocket. At, uh, the, the terrorists who've taken over the skyscraper, they see that the uh, firemen are trying to climb up into the skyscraper, and they shoot like a, a Never bring a ladder to a missile fight. Right. That's well, they didn't know it was going to be a missile take. fight. It's just like the missiles in Die Hard. Come on. If it worked in Die Hard, why wouldn't it work in Skyscraper starring Anna Nicole Smith? She's like a human missile when she gets in a helicopter. I like in siege movies where there are ladders put up against a castle wall, and then the besiegers yeah. climb up the ladder, and the people on the wall are just like, "I'm Tip just going to, I'm just going to push the ladder over." Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, what did you Seems think like was going to happen? Idea. Right. <laughs> well, that but they're that just trying to overrun them, right? It's like in the two towers, it actually works out. Well, that's what I was wondering. It's got to be in one of the Hobbit movies. I was hoping it was Battle of Five Armies, the good one. No, uh, it's the two towers no, when they're two when towers. they're in Helm's Deep. It, they just the ladders just keep coming up. Doesn't Aragorn get on like one of the ladders and like ride it down? Like, yeah, it sounds like a Legolas just, thing. It does, really does. Yeah. Um. Okay. Haha, you thought about two towers. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Gandalf cast a ladder spell? There's no such thing as a ladder spell, Kelly. One, it's called levitate. Memoria. Okay. Doesn't he cast one at the birthday party and the one you like? There's no birthday party in Battle of Five Armies. What's the matter with you? I thought that's why they're gathered there. (laughs) Because it's someone's birthday. Yeah. (laughs) It's not birthday of Five Armies, Kelly. One. It's a battle, hence the title. They're having a fight. Eagles are one of the presents for the kids. But they're they're not kids. They're dwarves. I'm sorry. Uh, Eagles. Do, deliver do, the invitation. Do you remember when we meet Gene Hackman's character in Unforgiven? Is he's oh. on a ladder building his house, like, oh, and he, and he yeah, wants yeah, he yeah. wants no part of it. He's just like, okay, what now? And it like it's gonna end up killing him. It ends up his demise. But we meet him. It's just this like he's just this guy building a house for himself, and he's up on a ladder like hammering the the house together. Like he's building a house, and his town's about to be torn down. It's a metaphor. That's why he doesn't deserve to die at the end. Cause he's like, right. I just built the house. I just exactly. It's just oh, the mortgage yeah. is going to be paid. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, other runners up. Dingus, surely you've got some. Other nope. rungers up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I could fun. go on and on about Wes Anderson movies all day. Jesus, I'm not going to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't do hey, an just look at Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know. Uh, there's a bunch of ladders in his movies. He just he seems to have a thing with ladders. I was uh, trying I to went... think of ladders used uh, uh, across like a gap, like in uh, in the Laura Croft movie. If if that if that weren't, you know, the the right. way that you would use a ladder to try to cross something. Right. The the climactic, the famous fight with Walton Goggins and Alicia Vikander against yeah, each other. Yeah, iconic. Yeah. I don't know if that's a ladder or not, but I can't, I can't remember. No, no, isn't it? I thought it was. I'm pretty I think sure it was it a ladder, be, yeah. Because I definitely thought sure. of that. Because there, there are, uh, yeah, like, the Simpsons movie has a ladder. There seems like where you have to cross a chasm, and I was even thinking, like, yeah. in, surely in Towering Inferno, at some point, someone puts a ladder across a, a balcony or something. Uh, There's also something where where somebody tries to tie two ladders together and use them to bridge a gap, but I don't know. I, I could I couldn't quite uh, right. get it. Uh, but I was sort of focused on the Wes Anderson stuff 
and oh, then Jesus. I and then I I know I know and, and then Jack I had Ryan to... stuff you fucking <laughs> yeah I know where's no true. no midnight run ladder oh gotcha midnight run only exists on a on a 2D plane Kelly one midnight it does run. not it does not exhibit three dimensional thinking <laughs> that's well, there's, true there's it's ladders like... that are attached to things like on the side of the train car there's a ladder and you crawl we're all playing checkers and midnight runs playing Vulcan chess. <laughs> All right, are you guys ready for next month's 3x3? Three three? you got plenty oh, yes, of time to think about this. this. So uh, you guys listening, too, you've got plenty of time. Just make sure to send this in before uh, September 30th at midnight. I want your three favorite people playing themselves in movies. We just saw, That's a good one. We just saw Wolf Blitzer as Wolf Blitzer in Mission Impossible Fallout. Unless that was a mask. Right, right. It could have just been CG over Simon Pegg. But it's like, hey, they got – I mean, Wolf Blitzer, the guy's a whore. He'll do any movie. Uh, Wolf Blitzer's <laughs> all over the place. But but I want you guys' favorite examples of people playing themselves. We'll come back in a month, and we'll talk about that. And next week, just available for streaming, I, I wanted to see this before it – when it came out to the theaters, didn't get around to it, uh, a movie called Upgrade. See that? If you have any thoughts about that, maybe you've already seen it, send it to us uh, do 3x3 at quarter2.3.com. Just write a couple of comments, maybe some questions, some things you want us to address. Get those to us before September 2nd at midnight, and we'll include your comments on the air. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Malonsky. It's Christian Morosky. And with Kelly Wand. Hey, man. Cool ladders. Yeah, that music was pretty Im- impressive, Tom, but uh, I prefer uh, scenes from Alien Resurrection. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. The Fast and Furious movies are not realistic. That's for Mile of Dogs? All right, it's fuck o'clock. Huh. All right, I guess in Japanese it sounds different. Whatever.